Star jump sequence terminates, Captain. Get the gravitational dampers online and open the blast aye, shield. Aye, sir. Bring us in closer. Aye, aye, sir. Moving us in on sublight drive. Extreme magnification. Aye, sir. The center of the galaxy. And there's our black hole. The experience of a lifetime, Captain. Let me put this on audio. We should be able to hear the magnetic resonance field. This is it, ladies and gentlemen. The edge of time and space where the impossible can happen. Welcome to the event horizon. Good morning, or afternoon, or evening, whatever is relevant for the part of the world you are in. Indeed, welcome to the Event Horizon, where the impossible happens. Join us each week at this time as we delve into the worlds of science fiction, fantasy, and science fact in all their forms. I'm your host, Gene Turnbow. And I am your other host, Susan Fox. And with us is photographer, and this is a first for us because we've never had a photographer on the show before, Dennis Illich, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Gene and Susan. It's a great pleasure to be here. I've been listening to this show for a long time, so it's a thrill to be a guest finally. Oh, my goodness. I had no idea. Oh, Oh. yeah, I'm a big fan. Bless your heart. (laughs) So, um, uh, you are a very busy photographer, and you work on motion pictures in the the, uh, camera department. uh, Yes. For the various... Tell us what that means. What does that it's involve? Not, you're not a cinematographer. What is it that you do? Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting um, uh, sort of thing actually, because I I actually started off as a cinematographer in the in the early and mid 2000s, and then sort of grew more passionate about uh, photography and and worked my way into into stills. So. Um, generally, there's a number of things you can do on a, on a movie set as a stills photographer. Um, but one of the things that I don't do that regularly is be the official stills photographer who's there on, on a show or a movie every day getting photographs and photographs and photographs. So I, I tend to be what they categorize as a specialist photographer. So I will come in uh, on invitation on certain days and do very specific things be it, you know, photographs for the key art for posters or specialist publicity things. So, um, for you know, I, I, I for the other day I did uh, a bunch of stuff for Paramount Pictures for a, a new TV series called Pitch, which is about the first female um, baseballer. Hmm. And um, my work, my job there was to take photographs for uh, the the images that were the the players in the midst of their sports um, action, you know, so mm-hmm. the, these photographs would be comped into backgrounds that uh, are big games happening, baseball cards, you know, and all the stat screens and things like that uh, and, and so forth. And then other times I, I did special specialist work for Harry Potter where I was working with Daniel Radcliffe specifically for um, most of Southeast Asia's magazine covers and things like that. So I do love set work, but um, it is with everything that I'm doing at the moment, I, I can't afford to do anything like that as a full-time 
job uh, and be uh, off the grid for for two months or however long a feature film is, takes to make these days. So there you go. That's a very interesting. Um, it's a very interesting niche. I mean, so, you, so you're involved in in uh, creating the promotional materials for the motion pictures and 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 chronicling perhaps some yeah, of the yeah, some of the yeah. major events, as well as any Absolutely, still images yeah. that that the picture itself needs. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, in some cases, uh, it's referred to as gallery work as well. For mm-hmm, example, mm-hmm. my my business partner T.J. Scott and I, who's uh, a very prolific and, and well-known director on shows like Gotham and Black Sails and The Strain and so forth. Um, we we did uh, we we go out to set for Dark Matter, for example, and um, have the actors on set for the day and take all the photographs that end up being used for all the promotion of the show uh, and uh, the billboards and the eventually the cover. You know, the, the, all the season one DVD covers, for example, that you see now are, are our mm-hmm. photographs as well. So it's all that sort of um, extracurricular specialist stuff uh, that gets used for that sort of thing. So it's not a historian's job at all? It can be, but not really, no. And what's the... uh, um, So you said uh, that a lot of what you do is composited with other things. Is there... uh, uh, Do they have you shoot the elements wild, or uh, is there a great deal of uh, planning that goes into... Uh, the uh, elements can, that they, they ask you yeah, for? Or? They, they can be. Um, for example, with what we did for Dark Matter, we actually shot on set. Um, so those shots are, you know, graded and worked and made beautiful, but they're used as we shot them. But then we, we do a whole raft of images that are done on a, on, on a backdrop, you know, a neutral backdrop, mm-hmm. um, usually gray rather than blue screen. And then those photographs are then, um, you know, you take pictures of the individual actors and then those photographs are, are composited into a posed group shot that looks like they're all together, but they may not be. And, and they can sort of squeeze that into the vertical element that they need, for example, for a book or a DVD cover or something like that. Um, the the stuff that I did for, for Pitch was all done uh, on, on grey so that they could actually put those people uh, into into any sort of background or, uh, or, or sort of event happening that they wanted. That's that's very interesting. Why? Mm. Why? What is it about the gray background as contrasted to a, a blue screen that makes it work better? Um, I don't. You know, the thing is with with the gray background, background, what you end up having is the ability to use that photograph with the big black. Uh, sorry, the gray background as a portrait. Um, and you can color grade that and the, and the gray looks very classy and beautiful. So you can use it as a really cool, um, neutral portrait that's taken. But then if you need to drop them out, um, you can then quite easily, um, cut them out and composite them onto something else. If you end up using blue and green screen, you, you don't often see, for example, when a new show is coming out, um, a picture of the lead actor with a bright, bright green or blue background, but you do see a lot of them on the original grey backdrop mm. just as a portrait. So that's kind of – it gives you a bit of a multi-purpose use, you know, whereas if you're mm-hmm. on a green screen, you've got to cut them out and put something in the background because it's not going to look good publishing that photograph on a green screen. Right. It's just, it's only good as an element. It can't be used yeah, in its, ori- yeah. and, in its and original form. Some of the, form. the photographs I've done on grey backgrounds, um, I've just loved as they are so much because by the time I tweak them and, and add a little bit of colour toning in there and, and CPAing everything, that background starts to look really, really beautiful and uh, – 
you know it's uh, it's just a nice medium to work with and 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 the other thing too is when you work with green screen you really have to know your stuff when it comes to lighting it gets a lot more complicated because uh you start the green gets picked up in reflections in zippers and in eyes thank and, you and i was i was thinking fine, that too yeah and it gets through fine um elements of hair and it really is a pain in the butt to actually cut people out of it's a lot harder than people actually think it is um so have you done uh, a lot of this uh, uh, lab work or digi- digital lab work? You don't do actually do it in, in uh, I don't the, think they've yeah. done chemical mechanical chemi- form in yeah, a long not time. enough for a while. Yeah, no, that's uh, you know it's it's sort of the the diehard artists that are continuing to use traditional chemicals in dark rooms uh, and still doing beautiful work with it. But this sort of stuff, uh, by and large, now they need everything yesterday so you just can't do it that way anymore so it's uh it's much quicker to do it that way i, I do a lot of post-production in in photoshop uh and lightroom mm-hmm. they're kind of my two favorite uh go-to apps on the computer and um i i love uh you know just creating really beautiful color tones and and contrast with with the subject i i have no issue with you know there's a lot of philosophical things about you know using you know, Photoshop and, and this sort of thing to to manipulate images. And I think um, I'm sort of getting off the track here, but my, my philosophy is that taking the photograph is just a small part of creating the final art. And mm-hmm. you have, if you have a vision, you use whatever tools you need to, to relay that vision, whether it's a paintbrush, whether it's a digital pen on a tablet and Photoshop, whether it's a crayon or a, or a lead pencil, we all are doing something that needs to be manipulated to to we're happy with it so um yeah i do a lot of my work a lot of post-production with my work what's the uh uh, what's the largest image you've ever had to work with i mean this is is a weird question it is a weird question it's it's he photographs people not elephants no 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 i mean i mean uh uh in in terms of uh image size uh, um, and because physic- this, physical technical, yeah, yeah, because they're they're technical tricks. <laughs> yes, you know yeah, that you have to um, that you have to uh, monkey with in order to get something really big. Absolutely, absolutely, and uh, you know this is something that uh, it's it's only something fairly recent that I'm starting to experience because, believe it or not, until quite recently, I, I haven't really done or seen um a lot of uh like physical um representations of of my work personally like Mm -hmm. i've done stuff and it's ended up as a poster for a movie and all that sort of thing but printing my own work uh i haven't done a lot of it i've always you know worked digitally and supplied the the elements to the client and then they've gone and and done their billboards and things like that um but uh the so far the largest print that I've done myself of of my work, and I, I use that term loosely. It's our work. Is um, with uh, my business partner TJ Scott. As I said, we've just opened our own uh, art gallery in Central Hollywood, mm-hmm. and and we're we're starting to populate that gallery with with really really big metallic prints. And uh, until then. Um, you know, you, billboards, you know, funnily enough, are not that high resolution because people are seeing them from hundreds of feet, feet away. So I think, you know, a lot of billboards are like 25 DPI and they don't, you don't need high Good resolution. Habits. But when you have an image in an art gallery and you have people walking up, literally pressing their nose against the photograph, you want it as beautiful and as clean as possible. And um, we've just printed out our first nine foot 
long by three foot high print. <laughs> um, and, you know, we've, you know, uh, TJ actually did a lot of the post work on this one. It's a photograph we did of Robert Taylor um, on a land on a beautiful landscape in Santa Fe for a TV series called Longmire, which is on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I'm just staggered, you know, like seeing something like that, that big and being able to walk right up to it and not see any grain um, is uh, is wonderful. And, you know, Photoshop now and Lightroom and, all, and these mm-hmm. programs actually are designed to, to deal with upsizing photographs with um, as little introduction of noise as possible. Um, there's, there's, we used to have to do these weird manual tricks in the old days, but the programs now um, say, okay, you want this this big and you want me to absolutely minimize any grain and noise, I'm going to do that for you. And it's done. And I don't know how it does it anymore, but they just look amazing. You know? I, the idea of a nine foot print just, yeah. I just, I can't even wrap my brain around how difficult oh. it would be to get something like that. Yeah, and not to mention, um, you know, we've got the labs here in in Los Angeles now that can do that, and it's and we printed it on this chromogenic metallic paper, so mm-hmm. it just it looks like liquid. It's just so beautiful. But then we had it mounted on acrylic, like face mounted on a clear acrylic, and uh, you have to have this aluminium frame to keep it from bending. So the whole thing weighs like two hundred pounds. <laughs> oh God! But it, uh, yeah. But the funny thing is, we, we've our gallery. The walls are so big that um, we got this print in, and it's going and. We're, Oh, we we have to have 15 footprints, and that's kind of the next stage now. So we're challenging the guys that do this mounting every time because we're really upping the size. <laughs> yeah, that's that starts to get to be to the point where you almost need a crane to hang the picture. Uh, pretty pretty much, and we we actually have a. a, um, a I'm hoping we don't use it. We had to do some some heavy lifting in the gallery when we were remodeling it, and there is a um, a lift in there that's designed to remove engines out of diesel trucks, <laughs> <laughs> and that's sitting in the gallery right now. So oh, we actually boy. may need that to hang it. So uh, and you're probably not wrong. It's uh, the the next wave of prints that we get in. Um, I've just ordered a. It's actually only going to be like about eight foot long, but it, because mm-hmm. it's a square foot, it's going to probably be about six foot high. So the, the the mass of the print is going to be amazing, and it's actually a beautiful portrait of uh, Trisha Helfer and Katie Sackhoff, uh, who mm-hmm. you Life probably size. know from Battlestar Galactica. And uh, uh, so we've got uh, both TJ and I are now in the process of ordering, you know, massive versions of our work that we've never seen done this way before. So it's it's always exciting when the cardboard parcel arrives and it takes yeah. four people to bring it into the studio oh that's that's got to be that's got to be an amazing feeling seeing your yeah, work, yeah. seeing your work in that kind of a format yeah absolutely you guys will have to come along to the open uh, the grand opening when we when we do it in uh, mid-october too I, th- I think we'd very much like to see that what's the name yeah. of the gallery uh it's called cinematic pictures uh, so it's uh, it's basically uh, a, a photographic. We we do we have a studio there where we do photography as well as um, display the work in mm-hmm. an art gallery in an event space, and uh, it's right next door to Grumman's Chinese Theatre, right on Hollywood Boulevard. Oh, that'll be easier to find then, eh? Yeah, yeah. That's kind of like uh, basically that's what we tell everybody. The people, are like, where is it? How do we get there? I said. Go to Grumman's as if you're going to see a movie. Turn your head right and walk up the stairs, and that's our front door. So, oh, that's awesome! What a fantastic yeah. venue! Yeah, yeah. It, it's you know it's a ground zero of of the world that you, you know we all uh, we're all part of, I guess. Yeah, pretty much. 
So um, you said earlier that uh, you had not um, had an opportunity until very recently to actually print your own work. Mm. And yep. you are now in the process of uh, preparing a book at a, uh, a coffee table, you know, desk. Yes. Desk, mm. big yeah. art book <laughs> yeah. uh, of science fiction uh, science fiction themed material. Tell us yes. a little bit about that project and, and how it started and uh, how far along you are with it. Well, um, the, the whole thing started, uh, you know, the beginning point of this book, uh, if we go back historically, is Battlestar Galactica. And um, it was uh, when I, I, I visited the set uh, when they were filming the final three episodes called Daybreak. And was because it was, if you're familiar with the show, there are a lot of secrets that were going to be coming out about the characters and who the final five were and who the Cylons were. Um, there, it was a close set, so literally no photographers, no documentary crews were allowed. And uh, I was just um, visiting set, and um, because of the nature of what was going on and so many characters were dying and it was really highly emotional state for a lot of the actors who had been on this show for, for the, all these years. And uh, um, basically I was invited to, to stay on set and document the whole thing. Wow. And that's kind of uh, how, you know, my, you know, my serious photography in the world of, of um, serialized science fiction started. I'd been working on films for a little while there. As I said, I'd done work for the Harry Potter franchise and The Matrix and mm -hmm. The Lord of the Rings and all these things. But I'd never really been on, on well, uh, let me think, I'd never been on the set of a science fiction show that, that you know, I'd grown up in love with since, since I was a child, you know, watching Star Trek and all these shows. So, of course, I took that opportunity and just went absolutely crazy and in in that six weeks took over ten thousand images of oh. um you know really intricate set pieces of, of the ships and and all the actors and and their scenes while they were shooting as a set photographer and and then portraits you know and then i was being asked to do shoots by people like james callis and jamie bamber and eddie elmos mm. and things like that so it, it just you know my my um passion for photographing science fiction actors whether that was on the show or whether i commissioned them them or whether they needed me to shoot them for a magazine, just continue them since you know 2008. It all began, um, and uh, and that kind of led me to meet other people that worked in, in different shows that I really loved. And I just kept on accumulating beautiful portraits of actors, and uh, I decided to compile them into a book uh, and have two different volumes: Men of Science Fiction, and and then there will be the Women of Science Fiction. Uh, and we are now at the point uh, where I have actually received the prototype of the book from the printer, and it was an error corrections prototype, so it's the sort of thing that you go through mm -hmm. to make sure that everything is printing okay and there aren't any mis you know, spelling errors and things like that. And uh, we made a couple of corrections, and uh, it's now we're about to pull the trigger on the production run to have the book delivered to uh, to the people who have ordered it. And it's a beautiful linen-covered book uh, and covers, you know, 
a lot of wonderful actors like Lou Ferrigno. And, of course, you know, for me, because ground zero of this whole thing in my life here in L.A. and work is Edward James Almos. He's kind of like the, the guest of honour in the book and opens the book. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Blade Runner is my favourite film of all time and Battlestar is my favourite show of all time. So um, there's probably, you know, four or five Battlestar actors in here and Blade Runner actors and we've got Gotham actors, we've got The Walking Dead covered, we've got Game of Thrones, um, you know, uh, Warehouse 13, Stargate, uh-huh. you, you name it, everybody, uh, you know, is in this in this book that I could get access to and the, the wonderful thing about it is the book is so beautiful that um, it's given me uh, access to a lot of other actors now who are excited about being in the next volume. So oh, okay. now we have, we have volume two is going to have a lot of A-list, you know, Hollywood actors like Carl Urban and so forth, you know, and uh, um, and so the, the list is pretty big and I'm kind of so excited about getting started in the Men of Sci-Fi <laughs> book that, uh, but I can't do it until I do the Women of Sci-Fi book. Right, and, right. You know, you know uh-huh. I've got my wish list of people in that, like Jerry Ryan and, mm-hmm. you know, Zoe Palmer and, you know, that sort of thing. But we've already got amazing actresses like, you know, Amanda Tapping and Trisha Halford, Katie Sackhoff, um, mm-hmm. you know, Carrie Ann Moss, all that sort of thing. So it's... Uh, um, it, it's interesting though because it is called Men of Sci-Fi, and I kind of like the um, MOSF logo and everything like that. But it is really starting to get into a little bit of men of genre because I've got guys from Spartacus in this, and Game of Thrones really isn't sci-fi either. Uh, well, and, it's uh, fantasy. So, so. There's dragons. There's yeah, you know, yeah. You know it's uh, <laughs> White Walkers and magic. Yeah, exactly. You know. Yeah, but, but MOSF sounds better than Mog. So <laughs> I'm stuck with MOSF. Yeah, really. Mog. Yeah, I'm half works. man, half dog. Like oh my, my own best friend. Oh <laughs> uh, dear! I yeah. walked into that one. You did. Yeah, you, you and I actually have a, a, a small thing in common. Uh, you were there at in the final days of uh, um, Battlestar Galactica, and I was yeah. there at the very beginning. I was doing previs on the outer space. Oh stuff. wow, really? Yeah, I was. That's I was so a, cool. I was a modeler for. Uh, uh, yeah, for the little division that was working out. Yeah, what, what the oh my god, uh, what yeah. the look for I mean, space you know, was conceptually, like. everything about that show was just perfect, you know, and uh, you know, right down to using old aircraft carrier parts, you know, <laughs> on the on on the actual on the Galactica and things like that. Mm-hmm. It's it a used future, you know, nothing yeah, shiny yeah. here. <laughs> Yeah. Exactly. My my favorite thing, my favorite story of, of of this was that as people were seeing the photographs that I was doing of the set pieces that they'd walked past mm-hmm. every day for, you know, years and never really noticed how beautiful these old relics were and I actually inspired a lot of the actors to steal parts of the set because they didn't, they didn't realize how beautiful yeah. they were. And they were you know, in the last few days they were ripping phones off walls and shoving them into their bags and things <laughs> like that. That's great. And it's all your fault somehow. It's my fault. Yeah, I was uh yes. yeah, I worked in a in a very small uh office with Gary Hutzel. Uh, oh Gary's about, a great guy. Yeah for, about, Gary. yeah for about yeah. four months I guess. Yeah. Um well, that's great. So um who is the publisher for the new book? Uh, this is uh, com- this is actually self-published. Oh, this self-published. one is self-published. Yeah, so I've actually got uh, my team in Australia um, who mm-hmm. uh, uh, comprise of um, uh, my manager Simon Doak and my business partner in that aspect of what I do, mm-hmm. Kenneth Meir. He's uh, um, they we're taking care of all of that ourselves. So we're actually having the book created uh, physically, and uh, then we we hire a fulfillment house to um, to ship the book 
uh, as well to uh, all our clients. But at the moment, we're, you know, it's, I'm sort of so happy with the way, the physicality of the book uh, mm-hmm. that we're sort of in discussions now with our publicity team about getting it in stores, like trying to get them into the Barnes and Nobles and, you know, Book Soup will probably carry it as well and places like that. Well, and of course, uh, yeah. we're sort of working on that. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, the second, any, any sort of subsequent model uh, editions of the book will be published through our um, our, comp- our cinematic pictures group company, which uh, cinematic pictures gallery is mm-hmm. part of what we do. The art gallery, the cinematic pictures photography, the mm-hmm. cinematic pictures uh, productions, where we you know we shoot you know um, moving pictures, music videos, and things like that. And and we will also publish. Uh, there'll be cinematic pictures publishing as well. So that that area on Hollywood and Highland where we are will be. Uh, taking a lot of uh, a lot of things under its uh, under its belt <laughs> yeah, too. It sure sounds like it. <laughs> We're going to need a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, you've got the you Hollywood a- and yeah, it'll be cinematic pictures, lunch boxes, cinematic yeah. pictures, oh, yeah. <laughs> beach towels. So. Oh, I, I love merch so much. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, yeah. I'm a hoarder. <laughs> you know, I've got so much of that stuff. I, we've home. got we've got some weird stuff ourselves. Yeah, I'm looking around this room, <laughs> I can't. Yeah. I can't. I can't even imagine putting up one of those, you know, three by nine pictures because of all the books yeah. we'd lose or the, yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know the, our check. space is, um, the gallery space is, is quite, um, vacuous and we actually really need to fill the wall space. And, and I'm a, I'm a little bit of a, uh, you know, like, uh, you know, I, I'm sort of, too phased in that um i um, i love my my stuff everywhere and i'm a minimalist on the other hand as well so i that, like having that's very difficult know, that's a very thing yeah. to ba- the very hard thing to balance oh yeah yeah like my computer desk where i'm working you know i'm just staring at it right mm-hmm. now and there's a blade runner unicorn and a spinner and there's half a dozen lego star mm-hmm. wars characters and you know like mm-hmm. a logo keychains everything everywhere but then you go into my lounge room and there's a television and a, and a chair and that's it sort of thing <laughs> so it's like well, you know, but it, 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 it. But that's the way a gallery should be. That's just, exactly. That's yeah. the setting for the jewel, which is your work. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it'll be, you know, like the idea will be that people can come in and buy the images, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the um, TJ uh, has um, produced a, a beautiful book himself uh, um, called In the Tub. And over a, 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 about a two-year period, he was photographing um, all the actors that he uh, has as friends and has access to in film and television and all the shows that he worked in. He directed a lot of Spartacus mm-hmm. and um, all these great sort of genre shows that people love. And the book is full of sports stars, musicians, rock mm-hmm. stars, and actors and actresses, um, all semi-nude in the theme, the oh, central gosh. theme of a bath- bathtub. You know, and it's, it's a, and that, that it's a true coffee table book. It's like seventeen inches wide and like three inches thick, and, as, and as in, you could put legs on it, and, and it, it would could be a coffee table. It would be a coffee table book about <laughs> coffee tables. That is in itself a coffee table. Um, yeah, you put so, coffee on that, and I'll kill you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it is a it is a beautiful, beautiful book, and he's working on the second volume now. And a hundred percent of the the profits of that book go to breast cancer research. Ooh, wow! So um, it's and it's raised hundreds of thousands of dollars for that purpose this too which is just a, a great thing so the, we want people to be able to come in and browse and actually buy that 
gorgeous, you know, um, mm-hmm. photograph of, you know, Trisha and Katie or any one of the actors that we have, uh, or the books as well, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, so it'll be a little bit of a, uh, you know, it, with the design aspects of the, the studio will be very Studio 54, the gallery, mm-hmm. we're trying to turn it into an, a, a really stunning oasis in that really confused part of town where it's just kind of tourist hell um uh, so it'll be a great place to just come and hang out you know Mm -hmm. and uh and have a uh have a you know a a look around and enjoy the art and actually also you know purchasing as well did you ever look around at your life and and uh realize what a specialized unique life you live and wonder how the hell you got there uh, every day that I wake up, I, uh, w- with the use of some expletives, <laughs> I wake up wondering how, how the hell I, I'm from a sort of, a, a, you know, a little Santa Monica-esque um, town called Geelong in uh, Victoria in Australia. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I was raised on, you know, 15-acre sort of farm, you know, and uh, I... You know, I, I you know I grew up as as a small child. You know, waking up at eleven o'clock at night and sneaking out into the lounge room and turning the old black and white TV on and waiting for that dot to expand and then watching Captain Kirk and you know waking up my dad and he'd clip me on the ear and send me back to bed and then I'd sneak out again. You know, <laughs> that's that's you know that's that's my you know my story of my sci-fi. childhood. Yeah. And, you know, and then all my favorite films of that era, you know, Planet of the Apes and the Amiga Man and mm-hmm. all those great Charlton Heston sci-fi. Oh, yeah. And, you know. The um, same stuff we, we grew up on. Yeah. So, but, you know, you got to realize, too, in, in, in those days and until, you know, recently, um, films and TV may have well have been made on another planet. That was, it was so far away and accessible for us in Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, a film, a major release would come out in the cinemas in Australia a year afterwards. You yeah, know, a yeah. year after. So we were so far removed from this world that my uh, ability to comprehend how I got here and, and I'm trying to create something really unique at Ground Zero in Hollywood uh, with this with this gallery and this cool space with my, my with my business partner TJ. I, I just I, I still have to try to figure out how I got here. I'm still trying to work out the timeline <laughs> because it's uh, it blows me away and it uh, it really sort of. Um, emphasizes how we we can all you know achieve something no matter how late in life we want to do it i mean i only really started on this road probably 12 13 years ago to be honest with you and how old are you um, now? say again sir how old are you now i am 52 now so i picked up okay. a stills my first stills camera in 2002 wow uh there, and, and there uh, you go and, there you have yeah. it this is, it's never too late to begin. You know, in no, 10 years, you could be 50 and and yeah. not take pictures. I mean, yeah. well, you know, you know, might as well at, do it now. Yeah, yeah. start yeah. now, whatever it is and you that, dream and, of. And that's what I love to, you know, I, I have a lot of young young people who love my work and are inspired by it. And they, you know, they want to know how how they can get to do this sort of thing. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, a lot of people are sort of don't have direction, and uh, but they love photography and uh, you know, so many people love photography and I just say, you know, do what I did and, and, you know, have your camera by your hip all the time and never go anywhere without it. Yeah, imagine if I'm able to, and this is what I tell people, if I can achieve this, you know, at the, in my 40s, 
imagine what you could be at the age of 16 or 18 if you just stuck at it for 10 or 15 years. You know, you could be the next Annie Leibovitz, you know, and photography isn't something that you need to do at the sufferance of anything else. You can be a passionate photographer and still study medicine like your parents want you to do or study to be a lawyer or whatever, you know what I mean? So, Uh um, you know, uh, it's, it's, it, it, as I said, I'm always fascinated by the process that got me here. And by and large, I have to attribute it to, to one thing that's very important and that is good people. You know, everything Mm. wonderful that will happen to anybody in their lives will happen due to, to good kind people around you. So always focus about with being around great folks, you know, and that's, that's what it's all about because, you know, I will help anybody I can. Um, and as my friends all helped me when I needed it too. Yeah. We all rise together. Absolutely. We all rise together. So you, uh, you had a very, uh, concentrated session with, uh, Daniel Radcliffe. Uh, yeah, we, we do, we did these for a good five years where, um, it's an interesting process, uh, that isn't done too often, but so huge is the popularity of this franchise that, um, obviously if they're going to put him on the cover of, of Vanity Fair or something like that, uh, and, and as has happened where, where he's actually done photo shoots with Annie Leibovitz, when you have a photographer like that, that, um, is going to shoot with you, you make the time <laughs> to work with mm-hmm. that person. Mm-hmm. The demand is so huge for him, for the cover of every magazine and the rest of the planet, that if he were to do a photo shoot for everybody that wanted to do a photo shoot, um, he wouldn't have time to do any acting or eating or sleeping or anything yeah. like that. So, um, what we would do what Warner Brothers would hire me to do would they'd give me f- him for an entire day like a 10 hour day and I would come up with uh, concepts with um, my photographic partner and uh, and stylists and we would find a really easy to manipulate location and we would get you know uh, an amazing assortment of clothing and mm-hmm. we would do uh, you know probably you know 20 different looks in the one day and uh, and make each each of those photo shoot graphs look like they were taken at a different place in a different time and then those images are, are farmed out to the magazines all through uh, all through Europe. You know, mm-hmm. we did Vogue France and, you know, um, SFX magazine and Empire magazine and all that stuff, mm-hmm. as well as Premier here in the US and things like that. But um, by and large, you know, it was all the Southeast Asia's and Europe that I serviced with hundreds upon hundreds of photographs for magazines and magazines covers um, from that one shoot. So where where you sort of go through a shoot, say, for a, uh, a particular magazine that you've done mm-hmm. for that magazine like GQ and you pick those, you know, you'd have, you know, X amount of shots and you'd pick the three or four shots. You know, I would supply Warner with anything um, between, you know, 600 to 1,000 premium images, you know. Huh. Um, so it's a hard day's work. I, <laughs> yeah, it sounds work. like And then there's a lot, of, like lot of, um, lot of editing, you know, because out of this shoot, um, you come with five, 6,000 images to, to cut down to the best shots to supply finally. So what's your shooting ratio? 
Well, it's changed somewhat. Um, so, uh, you, you know, um, when I used to shoot with Canon cameras, um, which is like um, shooting with a scattergun or a machine gun, you, you would <laughs> – I, 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 for example, if I did, you know, took one of my actors out to the Sixth Street Bridge, you know, for a men sci-fi shoot or something like that, I would come back with 1,200 images, Okay, and out of those images, I, I would have five or six for the book. You know, if I'd done that, I actually shoot with Leica cameras now, which are, um, you know, the, those cameras in unto themselves are a work of art. You know, and you tend to work more meticulously with them. So, with the first Leica that um, TJ and I got, I went out to the exact same thing that I mentioned. I went out to the Sixth Street Underpass and and did um, a bunch of shots with um, Michael Truco from Battlestar. And, uh, and even when I took Carl Urban there and I came back with, um, 220 shots. Uh, so out of those 1200 shots of the Canon, probably 60% are usable. Uh, out of the 220 shots that I did with the Leica, 220 are usable. Yeah. And it's just, you know, it's just like there's a different thought because the, mm -hmm. the Leica cameras are much higher resolution. Um, you tend to think a little bit more because it, because you're shooting, you know, these 50 megabyte images, you, you, you know, hard drive real estate is as valuable as film is to me. You know, I, I've got like, you know, 30, 40 terabytes here. So I think about, you know, each shot now. And, um, so I kind of think like a film photographer again when I'm shooting with, with the Leica and, um, it's, uh, so the ratio is completely different, you know, where, you know, you, you just go, as I said, you know, I'd be firing, you know, um, any, anywhere between three to 11 frames a second with the Canon. Mm -hmm. I fire one photograph. I keep one eye open. And if they did, and blink I know that photograph is beautiful and I go into the next one so it's kind of like one to one now maybe maybe a little bit less whereas like you know uh, the ratio was terrible with uh, with the faster cameras so you're uh, you're you're moving the 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 work of the artist the artist's work uh, from the uh, uh, from the back end from the editorial tasks yeah to the front end where you're creating the images in the first place. Absolutely, and absolutely. And and this is what I, I'm finding just with uh, the, you know, and I'm a little bit of a Leica zealot because any, anything and anyone that makes my Leica e life easier, I love, you know, uh -huh. and it's nothing to do with it, you know, any so anything other than I'm passionate about stuff, you know. I love my, my Apple computer and I love my Leica cameras and I love my Bose headset, you know, I love my, you know, I love my technology and um, what was happening with these cameras, what both TJ and I have discovered is that there's, you take that picture, it's like, oh, I don't need to do that much to this, you know, and that was never the case with any of the other gear that we used to use, you know. Mm -hmm. So you spend... Uh, it makes you, the, it makes you a, a more thoughtful artist, I think. Oh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely, because, uh, you know, that whole thing of fixing, fixing it in post... Um, is is a, a common thing to do now that you know as i said i have no issue with post-production but um taking a bad photograph and, and thinking you're going to make it good because you have all these other tools is kind of not the way to do it you know and i, I look at the Leica as like a premium paintbrush you know it's like uh you know you can get a two dollar paintbrush and you can get a mm -hmm. you know two hundred dollar paintbrush and you know the two hundred dollar paintbrush in is unto itself like a work of art so with a with the Leica camera you're picking up a work of art to make a work of art and it's just a beautiful feeling doing that you know that's that's uh, a really good way of describing it 
I mean, I, I found myself in possession of a Leica once when I was younger. Oh, wow. Uh, and, uh, uh, you owned it or you'd borrowed I, yes, it? Yes, or... I owned it. Oh, and, wow. Okay. Uh, it's, it's I, I was always able to produce better work than any of my peers at the time. Yeah, you know, yeah, bec- yeah. Because of yeah, what they, it was. Yeah, there's something um, really uh, amazing about them. And at the moment, I'm, I'm playing around with a, a camera called a monochrome, which is basically specifically can only shoot black and white. Hmm. Um, and it's the, the sort of look and feel and the luster of these mm-hmm. black and white uh, digital files is just so stunning. <laughs> I absolutely love it. It's so Magnificent. Great. Ladies and gentlemen, we have been talking to Dennis Illich, the uh, photographer who is creating Men of Science Fiction, his upcoming photography art book and Women of Science Fiction. And the studio name is again? Cinematic Pictures. Cinematic Pictures. And that will be Mm. in Hollywood right next to the uh, Grumman's Chinese Chinese Theater now. I still stick with Grumman's. <laughs> uh, I, I get yelled at. Oh, man's. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, so. it's, it's been a real pleasure having you on the show. It's been uh, quite the eye opener. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate being here. It's, it's a great show. Uh, you guys do great work for, for our passion, and uh, I really appreciate being here. You have been listening to episode 147 of Krypton Radio's weekly production of The Event Horizon for August 20th, 2016. Your hosts have been Susan Fox and Gene Turnbow, and our guest this evening has been production photographer Dennis Illich. This episode will air again on Sunday, August 21st, 2016 at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern, and two more times on the following Tuesday and Saturday mornings at 4 a.m. Pacific, 7 a.m. Eastern. Once all the air times have passed, you will find this episode and others on iTunes, Stitcher, and our own website at KryptonRadio.com as podcasts. If you're an artist, writer, actor, or other creator, and you would like to appear as a guest on the Event Horizon, we offer special preference to science fiction and fantasy writers, by the way, please contact our production manager, Kat Carter, at katcarter at kryptonradio.com. Krypton Radio is substantially listener-supported, and if you enjoy hearing the Event Horizon each week, please consider becoming a patron. Go to patreon.com slash kryptonradio. Just five green pieces of paper a month. That's all we ask. This program is copyrighted 2016 by Krypton Media Group Incorporated. The Event Horizon. It's sci-fi for your Wi-Fi. <laughs>